welcome back to another episode of Is Fits Happy. I'm Luke. And I'm Emma. And this week we're continuing our episode, or I guess starting a new episode on the continuation of the chapter. <laughs> <laughs> this is part two of chapter 19, Aftermath. And we left off in the previous chapter with Althea and Clef arriving to the Vestrad household, Brash and kind of confronting her a bit. And then uh, deciding that she smells very badly and she's very angry and she storms into the house, Clef at her heels and briefly goes to the uh, the sitting room, the study where Ronica and Kefria are just right. to announce that she's back. So the slave boy is kind of standing in the doorway and Kefria is not Kefria, sorry, Althea is going in just to say that she's back and warning them and like, Hey, I'm home. I'm safe. Brought a little boy with me. He was a stable boy that I freed from Devad's. I'm going to shower. Yeah. <laughs> I'm going to take a bath. Says mother. I know we cannot take on any more burdens just now, but he was a tattooed as a slave and I simply couldn't leave him there. The look on Kefria's face was one of social horror. Althea's explanation halted as she met Amber's eyes. She was here too. So Clef is standing in the doorway his gaze is darting around. He's not speaking. Althea attempts to take his arm and pull him into the room. He snatches his hand away from her. She gave a false laugh. I think it's the dung and the blood and dung. He didn't want to ride with me on the horse. That's what kept me so long. When I couldn't get him to mount with me, we left the horse and came home on foot. Kefria was staring past her, so she turns around and sees Brash in there, arms crossed, looking very stubborn. He met her gaze steadily. His expression didn't change. Veronica, you know, is weary, but accepts like, come in, boy. <laughs> yeah, she's like, all right, What's whatever. Your name? <laughs> you know what? I love this subtle, this slow change from Veronica being this like really severe by the book woman to just like, whatever, who cares? Let's have Fine. a meeting in the middle of the night while I'm in my bathrobe. Let's go. Let's. <laughs> Fine. Got to get it done. <laughs> yeah. What's one more person? Let's get some cakes out. Like, <laughs> so. Althea abruptly decides to escape, at least for now, and says, I'm going to bathe and change. I won't be long. And now Brashen is saying, well, it, it won't take that long for me to say my idea. You can wait. <laughs> Their gaze is locked. She refused to look aside from him. He smelled of smoke and cinden. Who did he think he was? She wasn't going to let him bully her here in her father's house. I'm afraid I'm much too tired to listen to any more from you, Brashen Trell. Her voice walked a thin line between correct and cold as she added, I believe it's far too late for conversation. The line of his mouth flattened. For a moment, he almost looked hurt at her rebuff. Rach came in and was carrying some stuff, and the boy didn't move from where he stood, but he flared his nose and snuffed after them like a dog. She brought in spice cakes. Yeah. Althea, her mother's tone more reminded than rebuked, I, at least, am interested in what Brashen has to propose. I think we need to consider every possible solution to our situation. But if you are that tired, we will, of course, excuse you. But I'd rather that you returned. Says, Rach, sorry, but can you bring something more substantial for the boy? And also some more cups. Yes. Her mother's courtesy jabbed at Althea's conscience. This was still her father's house. She softened her tone. If you wish, mother, if you'll excuse me, I'll only be a few moments. I find it really interesting that Althea continuously assumes that she has the final say in anything that goes down at any moment. Literally all the time. That's what, so you had what annoyed 
you about Althea mm-hmm. earlier on in this chapter, that part is what annoys me in this second half of the chapter. <laughs> yeah, it's very obvious this chapter, but I think something that happens all along and maybe it's just like never so much in your face where she's like really that in opposition of anybody else. So right. but nobody's she's also disagreeing. She did gain a lot of confidence in her own abilities on her own trip, right? Definitely. But that's like playing into overconfidence. Yeah. She doesn't know. She She's way too full of herself to what her abilities actually are. She's very competent. She's mm-hmm. very good sailor. She's not a good leader. No. <laughs> yeah, I think. Well, it's hard, too, because clearly in this instance, it's not even about what's a good decision. It's just her feelings are hurt and she doesn't want to see Brashen right now. Right. So it doesn't yeah. even have anything to do with good decision making. It's just because she's embarrassed and that's not a good reason to make. So I don't know. She just, and she's so childish about it. The decision was already made that he could come in. They were all invited to the sitting room. Obviously, if she thought her mother and her sister said, yeah, we'll hear you out. Yeah. And now Althea comes in like, no, it's far too late. You have to go. Yeah, (laughs) you could cut this out if you want to, but this makes me think of Jane and the Mentalist. (laughs) Very like (laughs) we're we're watching a like a 2007 or eight TV show, crime TV show. It's called The Mentalist, and there's this one, uh, what's he called? Uh, psychic named Jane. He's not a real psychic, but he's a mentalist. Yeah, he's the mentalist, and he's hired by a police force or whatever, the CBI. California Bureau of Investigation. Um, And he is not a police officer, but he's always calling all the shots, even though he's not in charge or a police officer. And he's always like, oh, yeah, let this suspect go in the middle of an interrogation. And that's very Althea right now. That's true. That's true. (laughs) (laughs) So we switch back over to Kefria as Althea goes off to bathe and clean up and get rid of the stink. (laughs) The stink of big shit. (laughs) (laughs) Kefria is pouring for all of their odd guests. And she's trying to make polite conversation, but her mother stared at the cold grate while Brash and Pace the room. And Amber is basically ignoring her and just trying to entice Clef to get over near her and eat something. Instead, she lured the slave boy with bits of cake as if he were a shy puppy, until he finally snatched a whole cake from her hand. Amber did not seem to think her own behavior odd or outrageous at all. She smiled proudly when the boy stuffed the whole cake into his mouth. You see, she said to him quietly, folk are kind here. You're safe now. Kefri is so interesting because she really doesn't like anything that's different. Right. But also, people are straight up ignoring her. In the I mean, room right yeah, now. this is very like back to square one for Kefria, and she's yeah. already feeling pretty down because her mom steamrolled her when she told Brash and no, it's too late. Yeah. And then here she's trying to be polite, and her mom's not engaging. And Brashen is in his own head about Sindin and Althea, I'm uh-huh. sure. And then Amber is just like straight up ignoring him for the nah. slave boy. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> nah, I'm good. <laughs> Which, to be fair, I can see why Beloved does not like Kefria. You know what I mean? Like, I don't know. I don't think that Amber doesn't like Kefria. I just think it's clear that Kefria doesn't want to be there. Mm -hmm. 
There's no point in making her more uncomfortable. <laughs> so Kefria's thinking that Althea was true to her word. She was pretty quick, so she must have washed with cold water. She came down looking refreshed and tired. And without any apologies, she helps herself to tea and cakes. Althea glances at Amber and then goes to join her on the floor. The boy sat on the other side of her, completely engrossed in his food. She addressed her first words to Amber. Brashen says you have a plan to save the Vivacia. He also told me I wouldn't like it, but that I'd come to see it was the only way. What is it? Amber gave Brashen a sidelong glance. Thank you for preparing her so well, she said with dry sarcasm. She lifted her shoulders in a shrug, followed by a sigh. It is late. I think I should state it briefly and then leave you all to think about it. The woman flowed smoothly to her feet, as if a string attached to her head had lifted her from the floor. She advanced to the center of the room and looked around at all of them to be sure of their attention. She smiled at the boy, who was wolfing down the food on the platter. He was aware of nothing save the next bite. Amber sketched a small bow and began. She put Kefria in mind of an actor on stage. This paragraph specifically feels like the fool. Yeah. To me, especially the standing, standing yeah. with a, like a string pulled from the head. Mm-hmm. I think that's specifically used to describe the fool. I think so, too. And I feel like this might be where I knew it was the fool for sure. Mm, OK, I, I can't remember fully. It was a long time ago when I read this, but I really feel like this because like, once again, it stuck out so vibrantly to me. I feel like this was what I need. I was like. It's the fool. It's for sure the fool. I don't know. (laughs) So Amber kind of lays out their plan. I propose this. To recapture a live ship, let us use a live ship. The Paragon, to be precise. We buy, lease, or steal him, put a crew aboard with Brashen in command, and go after the Vivacia. In the shocked silence that followed, she added... If you suspect my motive in this, be assured that at least half of it is to save the Paragon from being turned into lumber. I think your good friend Devadra Stark could be instrumental in getting the Ludlux to part with the ship for a reasonable price. He has seemed to have their ear for the outrageous offers the new traders have been making. Perhaps he might be willing to seize this opportunity to save face with the old traders. Perhaps that is even truer after tonight's events." I'm willing to put up everything I own as part payment for the ship. So, what say you? No, Althea spoke flatly. Why not, Malta demanded. And Malta comes in. This is why, to people who have not, did not remember the chapter, this is why I asked if Malta was actually sleeping or not. She comes in now, and Kefria describes her as her cheeks were pink from sleep yet. She glanced about the room and says, I had a nightmare when I woke up. I heard your voices. I came down to see what was going on. I think she was sleeping. and I think she had a dragon nightmare Oh, with Syntaglia. Ooh, I like that theory. That's fair. I guess it's hard because we know that she is an eavesdropper and she right. has no qualms eavesdropping and will just make stuff up about True. why she was in the hallway. So, yeah. But I do like the idea that she was actually sleeping in Tintaglia got to her. And now she is asking astute questions. Why should we refuse any help if there's an offer of a ship to go after Papa? Why is Althea saying no? It seems a sensible plan to me. Why not go rescue Papa ourselves? And Althea begins to take off the reasons on her fingers. 
One, Paragon is mad and he has killed hold crews before. He might again. Two, Paragon is a live ship who should not be sailed by anyone except his family. He hasn't been sailed in years is three, and he hasn't even been floated. <laughs> I don't think we have the coin to both buy the Paragon and refit him as, we as he would need. Moreover, if we do this, why should Brashen be captain? Why not me? And I highlighted two of those things separately because, again, this last sentence is her just shooting herself in the foot going over. Brashen gave a snort of laughter. His voice broke strangely. And there you have her real objection, he observed. No one else laughed because he's pulling out a kerchief and wiping sweat from his face. And uh -huh. he's just acting a little weird. But yeah, I would have laughed, Brashen. It's OK, <laughs> because, you know, Althea, you have great points. Just end it there. <laughs> you don't have to add the stuff that's about you, even if you think that way. It's OK. That can be an inside thought. Inside <laughs> thoughts are fine. <laughs> Encouraged most of the time. <laughs> oh, Yeah, so I think, to be fair to Althea, that is a good point. Like, yeah. Amber knows that Althea can sail a ship, or mm -hmm. sail on a ship, I guess. So why not let her be the captain? Why wouldn't Amber have come to her? She and Amber were friends first. Mm -hmm. I see her point of view and why that would feel hurt, especially after the day she's had. And I feel like this is the start of the compounding of all the stuff we learn later. And when she finally explodes and is really yeah. upset about the Greg situation, this is the start of like, my, even my friends don't trust me or don't believe in me. She knows her family doesn't, but her, even her friends, that's harsh. And I do feel bad for her in that. Like I, I get Brashen's reasons later on in the chapter as well. But I feel like there's a really big one that she's just not thinking of. Mm. And that's if if she was captain of the Paragon and they sailed and it was wonderful. They say Vivacia, woohoo. Althea's going to abandon Paragon then? Mm-hmm. What what does that do to Paragon? Yeah. No, yeah, that's <laughs> a really good point. And I think that's fair. But I don't think yeah, but I think because of who Althea is. She's not thinking about she's, that. Yeah. She's just upset that she. Why can't I be the captain? Yeah. It's, ve it's very childish. This, she is so childish. This whole chat, the rest of the chapter, I feel yeah. she, like you said though, she has been pushed to well beyond her limits. Yes. And I, I think, yeah, to be fair to her again, obviously whenever you're at your breaking point and things are all going wrong and you just feel attacked from every angle, of course, you're not going to be super eloquent or mature or your best version of yourself. So obviously she's having some trouble. I just, <laughs> you know, it, it is a little humorous how immature she is, though. All right. So everyone's kind of concerned about Brash and they're kind of exchanging looks. And even Kefria notes, even Althea seems to notice his weird tone and behavior. Althea frowns at Amber, but the woman did not deign to notice that. Kefri decided that perhaps it was her turn to be blunt. Forgive me if I sound skeptical. I do not see why either of you should wish to become involved in this. Why should a foreigner wish to risk her whole fortune on a mad live ship? What does it profit Brash and Trell to risk his life for a man who found his seamanship unsatisfactory? We could gamble what is left of the Vestrid finances only to lose it all if you never returned." Brashen's eyes flashed. I may be disinherited, but that does not mean I am totally without honor. He paused and shook his head. Plain words tonight will serve us all best. 
Kefria Vestrit. You fear I'd take the Paragon and turn pirate. I could, I don't deny that, but I wouldn't. Whatever differences Althea and I may have, I think she will still vouch for my integrity. I know your father would have. Speaking for myself, Amber added smoothly, I've already told you that I wish to prevent the Paragon from being dismantled. We are friends. I am also a friend of your sister Althea. In addition, this is something that I feel I am called to do. I can explain it no better than that. I'm afraid you'll have to take my offer at face value. I can offer you no other assurances. And there's another little hint that it's the fool. Yeah. Just called to do it. Mm Mm-hmm. Amber is so funny, though. Just imagine being like, hey, I have this really crazy idea and it's a big risk for you to do it. And they're like, oh, why should I trust you? Um, you just should take my word for it. I'll let you think about it. Like, Also, I'm putting up all my money, but don't I just want to save him. Yeah. Don't worry about just it. Just do it. <laughs> Wink. Like, we know that Amber is definitely trustworthy and is fine and it makes sense. But like to Kefria, Kefria like <laughs> who's heard like awful rumors about this person and then also doesn't really like Forders to begin with. And then this person kind of walks in and assuming equality and giving her sympathetic glances like, oh, Kefria, you poor thing. Like, what, who? who are you? Yeah, like- <laughs> I just love and it's like so funny because the audacity is beloved through and through like beloved really doesn't care beloved's gonna shoot the shot you know and I love that about them it's so funny I don't know I love it I love everything about this chapter so silence falls around the room and everyone is kind of looking around Brashen folds his arm on his chest and is looking at Althea but Althea refuses to meet his gaze Malta's fidgeting, looking from one adult to the other. And again, well, not again. I want to point out that every time that Kefria thinks of Malta in this chapter, it's always with child. Mm -hmm. Some sort of child or comparing her to adults. Mm -hmm. There's some, you know, mental distance between Malta growing up in Kefria's mind. Which is fair. She's like 14. (laughs) Yeah, no, definitely. It makes sense. But it is interesting. Yes. That, like, yeah, it's a good thing to point out, like you said, that. It is always in the context of, from Kafria's point of view, Malta is just a child. Yes. Which she is to us, too. <laughs> but whatever. What do we know? <laughs> Into the silence, Brashen eventually says, okay, well, I'll leave you the thing on it then. Obviously, that's a lot of news. I'll come back tomorrow evening. He waited until Althea glanced at him. Think it over, Althea. I saw the mood of the traitors as they left tonight. I doubt that you'll get any other offers of aid, let alone a better one. He paused. In a softer voice, he spoke only to her. If you want to speak to me before then, leave a message at Amber's shop. She knows where to find me. Are you living aboard Paragon? Althea's voice sounded hoarse. At nights, sometimes, Brashen's voice was noncommittal. And how much Sindin have you used today? She suddenly demanded. There was a cruel edge to the question. None at all. Brashen permitted himself a bitter smile. That's the problem. He glanced at Amber. I think I had best be going now. I think I need to stay a bit longer. Amber sounded almost apologetic. As you see fit, well, good evening to you all then. Brashen sketched a bow. Wait! Malta's plea sounded sharp. Please, I mean, please wait. Kefria thought she had never heard such anxiety in her daughter's voice. May I ask some questions about Paragon? Brashen focused his entire attention on her. 
If you're asking my permission, certainly. And so this is the start of Malta trying to command the room now. And it's in the face of some pushback from her family. <laughs> yeah, it's I, I find this scene very interesting because we are from a point of view that is somebody who is seeing her as a child, seeing her as a child and also someone who has a track record of falling for everything she does. Right. So it's interesting to get that perspective for this. It makes me wonder, is this an act? Like how much of this is an act? I think some of it is a plant. Like, I think that's just who Malta is. I don't think not as a negative. I just think she knows that certain acting certain ways gets better results it's just in her nature now yeah i i truly think that this is her i mean for lack of something else that's popping in my head her come to jesus moment (laughs) right this is her father is in danger and this is an opportunity why is it not possible right we need to figure out the solution we need to figure out why we need to go through every single step to determine if we can do this because she's been in that mode for like a couple chapters. Yeah, no. And she made that determination that she needs to step up and fix something. So if something is offered to the whole family, we need to go through every single step to see if it's possible or not. So I think it's her father being in danger and, and a possible solution offered up is really the moment where she's like, okay, we really need to follow through. Do you think that she stops brash and ask questions because she knows if she doesn't ask now the adults will leave her out of it yes okay 100 percent. i think and i think she can she's very good at sensing tension between other people i think mm. the matter would get dropped yeah if there was no real agreement tonight and you can see it's, it's really interesting how other people react to malta because brash and Kefria says he turns his full attention to her and answers her completely seriously. He looks at her like an adult in this moment. Yeah. In my eyes. And then we have Althea not even acknowledging Malta, really, and just saying snide remarks at Brashen's replies later and eventually being like, okay, okay, fine. <laughs> yeah. And the whole time Kefria's like, oh, this is my child. <laughs> my <laughs> little, little baby, baby. girl. <laughs> Yeah. yeah, it's it's but, just an interesting dynamic of how people view Malta from an yeah. outside perspective. And to be fair, I don't know how much is an act, really. I think she is being at least half sincere, but I do agree with you that she's been manipulating people so long that it is part of her nature, that she knows kind of what faces to present yeah. in what company. I mean, everyone does that to a certain yeah, point. Yeah, definitely. But she has thought this through yeah. to... <laughs> certain I, standard yeah i i asked because i do think this is one of the more sincere moments we have of malta in front of her family at least but i also still think part of it is calculated i can't yeah i can't fully say how much but i do think that parts of it are a little bit calculated and i don't necessarily think of that in a negative term and i right, don't know yeah and i mean like yeah, like I mean, you the said, same everybody way that, does. like, Veronica's yeah. very calculated. Yeah, yeah. I think this is a big maturity, a big leap in growth for her. But it also is self-serving as much as yeah. Althea's saying no is. You know what I mean? Like, so, of course, she's doing really well in this and is making really good points. But that's because 
we agree with the points she's making. You know what I mean? Like yeah. it, it's still self-serving. It just so happens that her self-serving nature is also benefiting others in this instance. So I'm going to bring up a conversation that we've talked about before. Mm-hmm. That I've specifically brought up multiple times and it's the pace of Malta's maturity. Yeah. And if it makes sense. And something that you brought up before was that scenes didn't quite make sense for Malta to mm. be so mature in certain scenes. And this kind of feels like that to me. Mm. This seems out of her character for the last point of view that we saw of her. Right. Or the last scene that we saw of her from Rain's point of view even. She has glimpses of maturity and I don't know. I'm beginning to think that in Malta's head... If we read through her mind, she is always going to be manipulative, self-serving, not very mature. Mm-hmm. But through other people's points of view, I think she's going to look like she's stepping up okay. and being mature. And I think it's going to be more of like a Kenneth kind of situation where I don't know if she's actually maturing or if she's just getting better at hiding things. And like you said... Her self-serving goals just seem just happen to align with what the family wants and what's for the greater good. I don't know. I'm still skeptical because I went into this as I want to remind all the listeners here. I went into this thinking, yeah, Malta is a great transformative character arc. It's so good to read. And then we started off and I'm like, oh, yeah, I forgot how bad Malta actually is. And then I'm just... I actually want to dive into that character development because it's always talked about as such a great character arc and such a change. Is it true? Book and a half in, I still barely see any growth. There's a little bit. There's a little bit. She's actually thinking of a big picture in things. In this scene specifically, she's asking through logical questions and she seems to grasp, have a better understanding of the world and consequences Mm -hmm. and what things mean. But in terms of like personal growth and maturity, yeah, I don't know. <laughs> I do think that this is a really good scene of showing what she has learned, even though yeah. she's been like dragging her feet through becoming a woman through the learning that the house Vestrit house has been putting her through. Yeah. She still has learned something. Oh, yeah, she has. And she has and, changed. Yeah. First. And I think even if she doesn't want to admit it, that is the betterment is coming from what her grandmother has taught her. Mm -hmm. And it's interesting to see that growth. I think that there is growth there. I think that that alone is growth in itself, even if it's still from a self-serving way. There's definitely growth. yeah. Yeah. So I don't know. But like you said, I think it's, I think it's more akin to a Kenneth thing where it's, I don't know. On the inside, is she that much more mature? Probably not. But is she better at putting on an act? Definitely. And um, I think so. Like we talked, I think some of this is sincere as well. Yeah. I don't know. I'm just, I'm growing more skeptical of the great transformation. Malta's a, a wonderful person at the end of it kind of thing. Yeah, I think. And I'm leaning more into it just so happens that it worked out for her. Yeah. Well, <laughs> I think too, the I think the reason why people feel like she has matured as much as she had and people like the arc is because when we start, she is so 
pro Kyle and like me, 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 anti me, me, me. all the women in her family yeah. that it's really easy to dislike her and as she goes on she kind of stops caring about her family members and how awful women can be well, and is more i mean not have, fully but that's not like as, the as main thing on, driving her we haven't got there yet. <laughs> no but i'm saying i think that's not the thing driving her anymore that's it's fair. more about her personal problems yeah and that's more relatable for readers in general mm-hmm. and less annoying even if she True. is making selfish selfish decisions so i think it's more again it's just her views are now aligning with the people reading the books and where they want the book to go and so it feels like there's more maturity happening than maybe there actually is just because it's like oh i'm starting to agree with malta a little bit yeah maybe not her methods but i agree with malta and so therefore there's growth and i like that and maybe that yeah i mean that's a a mark of a good character i think to definitely, like definitely not like them and then root for them you know it just oh it's super feel, well written yeah i just feel like maybe that's more of what's happening mm-hmm. it's less of a a maturity arc and more of a realigning of values that happens to realign with people who are reading it and now i think she looking forward a little bit just to wrap this up I think she will have more actual character and maturity growth when she has to babysit Satrap Cosgo. Yes. Uh, she has to go through a lot of pain with him. But also, I think one of the main points that I first brought up is, is it magical? Is her connection with Tintaglia forcing her to do stuff? And mm-hmm. I still want to be on the lookout for that. So I yeah. wanted to kind of bring that up and touch on those topics before. As This seemed a good time because I kind of... I don't know. It feels slightly out of place, this scene, for her. Interesting. For me, I guess. I I will agree that this felt extremely mature, but then I remembered that we're reading it from Kefria's point of view. Right, yeah. And that helped. Whereas before, it was Malta's point of view, I think. I guess also a little bit of Althea's, where I was like, this feels weird that she's so mature, but... Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think it helps to remember that because it's not her point of view, it is going to come across as more mature, especially when the baseline is that that Kefria is thinking of her as a child. Right. So her not throwing a tantrum and not freaking out is like, <laughs> whoa, what a mature young lady. You know what I mean? I don't know. All right. Well, we'll get into the scene that we've been talking about. <laughs> so Malta wants to ask some questions about Paragon and Brashen gives his whole attention to her. So she's pleading, looking around the room, saying, if he is going to leave us to think on this, then it is like you are always telling me, grandmother, we cannot argue with numbers, nor can we make decisions without them. So to consider this at all, we first need to know the numbers. Veronica Vesteret looks snared between shock and approval. That's true. Malta took a breath. So... My Aunt Althea seems to think that the Paragon will need many repairs before he can sail, but I've always heard that Wizardwood doesn't rot. Do you think he needs to be refitted? And Brashen agrees, not as much as normally would, but yes, he does. You know, new masts, new canvas, new lines, anchors, chain, and a ship's boat, plus a kit for the kitchen, carpenter's tools, a medicine chest, all the things a ship must carry aboard it to become its own little world. Many of his seams should be recocked, and a lot of his bright work needs replacing. Amber did a lot of stuff on the interior, but there's a lot to be done yet. And then there's more expenses of buying foodstuffs. Uh, we need a secret store of money or goods to ransom, maybe. We need to buy weapons if Captain Kennett refuses to barter with us. 
And if we can afford any deck machines, which I'm guessing are like trebuchets or, you know, cannons, anything mm-hmm. like that, then they'd have to be installed. And then there would have to be some coin up front to hire hands for the voyage. So there's a long list of stuff there. Then Althea finds her voice and chimes in saying, do you believe you'll find any decent sailors willing to sign aboard the Paragon? I think you are forgetting his reputation as a killer. Unless you are willing to pay above top wages, why should a good hand ship out on such a vessel? Kefria can kind of tell that Althea might be starting to get interested. But she's trying to keep her voice civil. But she's also trying to keep her voice civil, yeah. It would be a problem, Brashen concedes easily. He pulled out the kerchief again and wiped his face. His hands trembled very slightly as he carefully refolded it. There might be a few who would sign on simply for the daring of it. There are always some sailors with more guts than brains. I'd start with vivacious old hands first, asking those of your father's crew that Kyle discharged. Some of them might go for the sake of the ship herself, or your father's memory. For the rest, he shrugged, we would end up with the dregs and the troublemakers. A great deal would depend on whom we could get as first mate. A good mate can make a working crew out of near anything, if he's given a free hand. What's to keep them from turning on you when numbers, Smalta broke in irritably, there is no sense in worrying about what-ifs until we know it is financially possible. If I give you paper and ink, can you write up for us what you think it would cost? I'm not an expert, Bresham began. Some things would have to be done by professionals, and assuming you'd find any shipwrights willing to work on the Paragon, Althea chimed in sarcastically, his reputation is bad, and assuming the Ludlucks give permission, and Malta's hands clenched into fists on the paper she had taken from the drawer. Kefria thought she would ball it up and throw it on the ground. Instead, the girl closed her eyes for a moment and drew a deep breath. Assuming all that, then, how much money? And can we possibly get it? Until we answer those questions, there is no point in asking others. And once again, Althea chimes in, we may just as easily be defeated by those other factors than by a lack of money. And Malta is saying, all I'm saying is that we should consider those factors in the order in which they may defeat us. If we have no money to hire hands, then we don't have to worry about who will or will not sail for us. So this is what we were talking about before, where Malta is being fairly controlled, yeah, extremely controlled for herself. She's asking good questions. She has logic in what she's saying, and she's listening to advice from Ronica from before that numbers matter. And Althea is just the one trying to be... Contrarian. Yeah, contrarian, because she doesn't like Brashen right yeah. now. Yeah, it's never going to work. And... I feel like at first from Althea, it starts off as a good question. Like, who are you even going to get to be on the ship? What's the plan for that? Because we don't have very much money. And also who's going to sail on the Paragon? And she just gains steam. Yeah. Again, it's like completely ignoring Malta. Yeah. And I mean, and I think at first, yeah, like I said, at first it is a good question. But then, like you said, she's ignoring Malta. She's ignoring the fact that that's not the question right now. That doesn't even matter. You don't need to go on and on about who you think could and couldn't do it. Because if you don't have any money. You can't do it anyways. Yeah. So <laughs> figure out if you have the money first. And Althea just cannot. It's just she cannot let this be a good idea because it's coming from Brashen. I think if Amber would have come alone, 
it would have gone over a lot more smoothly and with Althea. Yeah. yeah, Althea would have been like, yeah, let's do it. I don't care. Like, we don't need to think about the logistics. We'll just do it. (laughs) I'll captain it. (laughs) Yeah, it's so I don't know. It's a little frustrating. And it's crazy that Malta is able to keep her cool Mm -hmm. and bring up good points. I mean. Now we have Mother Kefria here. Althea stared at the girl. Kefria felt her muscles tighten. Althea could be sharp-tongued. If she mocked Malta now, when the girl was trying so hard to be pragmatic, Kefria would not even try to control her temper. You're right, Althea said suddenly. She looked suddenly at their mother. Do we have any reserves left at all? Anything not entailed? Anything we can sell off? There are a few things, Ronica said quietly. She absently twisted the ring on her finger. What we must recall is that whether or not we have possession of the live ship... A payment comes due soon. The Cooper's family will expect. Don't consider that, Malta said quietly. I will accept Rain's suit. I will set a date for our wedding on condition that my father is home to attend it. I think that will win us a reprieve from the debt, from that debt, and perhaps some financial help to launch the Paragon. So, one, Althea is like, okay, fine, I'll do it your way. Malta's being okay, so. <laughs> yeah, it is kind of weird how quickly she's like, yeah, okay. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Instead let's, of. Let's do that first. Yeah. Let's play by your game. But, and but then I Monica's also... thinking about selling off her wedding ring. Yeah, which is really sad. But no, I also think it makes sense that Althea didn't go to attack Malta. Althea hasn't really been doing that. I mean, no. she did when she first came back yeah, and Malta was being back. inappropriate and rude all of the time. And I think last chapter we had with the two of them, we saw that Althea's trying to have a relationship with Malta and be like, listen. Once in a while. <laughs> yeah. It's, I think she's trying to be like, hey, we're family and your dad's a crap person, but he's your dad, I guess. So I get it. But like, maybe we have other things that we could agree right. on. And yeah. so I, like, I'm not surprised. It's funny that Kefria is surprised to me because it's like, have you been paying attention at all? Probably not. It is Malta and you don't seem to pay attention to your children, but <laughs> it is, it is interesting to have her be like, Oh, Althea is going to be so mean to Malta for no reason right now. And I don't think Althea's mean to people for no reason. You know what I mean? Right. Like, I think she sometimes says things that are hurtful and she except can for, be. Except abrasion. Okay, well, <laughs> that's not no reason in her mind. <laughs> also, uh, to Amber about not being Big Town Trader. That's fair. That is, yeah. But I don't think she just, like, No, yeah. Says she's not just the, you know, like, a casually she's not just, cruel person. Yeah, and that's what this felt like. It's like, what mean thing would she have said to her I don't know. I guess maybe maybe something about like, let the adults talk or something. Yeah, that's fair enough. Fair enough. Well, this, this kind of stuns the room a little bit. Malta offering herself into marriage for the Cooper's family. And this is not what I'm talking about when I'm saying it doesn't make sense. Right. All the questions before that is what is like, Malta, really? This feels in line with her character because she was talking about that before. She had huge, intense monologue. She's like, if I have to, I will do it to save my dad. Yeah. And also, I'm going to go talk to Sir Wintrell and see if he can give me money. <laughs> right. Right. Yeah. She is She is totally for using a man and his funds to right. help their cause. She's like, yeah. She's resigned to it, but if this will help save her dad, she will marry Rain. Right. Or I agree do, to. 
I do also want to say the fact that she says, I'll set the marriage date contingency on my dad being there to give us reprieve does kind of seem like in her mind, she could still get out of it. Yeah. She's like, like, my dad's going to come home and he's not going to make me follow through with it. Yeah. I like, I genuinely believe on her end that she's like, I don't actually have to marry this guy. I just have to say I will. What's the big deal? Exactly. And everybody's like, oh my gosh, you're going to sacrifice yourself. And she's like, no. No, you can't. <laughs> there must be another way. That's Kefria right there. <laughs> <laughs> Literally, because then it's in her mind, she's like, yeah. I, I have to bite my lip from trying to tell my daughter Kyle isn't worth it. <laughs> she, she looked at her daughter and suddenly saw her as someone else. The spoiled and stubborn girl who would stop at nothing to get her own way was suddenly a young woman who would sacrifice anything, even herself, to rescue her father. This unswerving act of will was rattling. Kefria bit her tongue to keep from telling her that Kyle wasn't worth it. He would never understand that what his daughter had been ready to sacrifice was not a moment's brave word, but her whole life. No one, she thought, can be worth another's entire life spent in subservience. She glanced at the slave boy so silently watching them all, but found herself considering her marriage. A bitter smile bent her mouth. One woman had already made that sacrifice for Kyle Haven. Malta, please do not make such a decision under these circumstances. The power in her own voice surprised her. I do not dispute that it is your decision to make. Proof enough of your womanhood is that you are willing to make it. I simply ask that you delay such a course until all others have been explored. Malta asks hopelessly, what other courses, through all our troubles, no one has come to our aid? Who do we think might help us now? Althea says, maybe the Tanera family and a few other live ship owners. And this is where Brashen's like, oh, I forgot. You guys don't know what happened in Bingtown. <laughs> There's some things that they're going to be busy with. Yeah, they'll actually be too busy to help. So Because there was an actual riot, not a almost riot. Yep. But yeah, so Kefria is in her head thinking, well, I already made that sacrifice. Don't waste your life for the same man. Yeah, one is enough, honey, which good for you, Kefria. Right. <laughs> The one time you're like, yeah, my daughter doesn't need to follow me in my footsteps for this. Love that for you. Um, I will say, though, it's kind of weird to me that she's like, people shouldn't live in subservience to others. And then looks at the slave boy and is like, yikes. Anyway, me, I did that to Kyle already. <laughs> like, it's so weird. I don't know. It's, I get it. And I get that she's like maybe connecting the dots for the first time of like, oh yeah, maybe slavery is bad. Like, <laughs> I think she knows it's bad, but because we, we were talking about this yeah. when Kyle said he was going to do slavery. Kefri was also like, what? No. Yeah. <laughs> but like, she kind of was like, it's illegal here. Not like those are human beings. You know what I mean? It yeah. feels more like before it was kind of like, Ooh, it doesn't look great that we're doing that. And now it's like, oh, maybe slaves are also humans. <laughs> <laughs> well, so, at least she's having the epiphany. Yes, it's good. You know what? Learning is good at any stage. It just is like a little, I don't know. It doesn't feel very good to read it like that, I guess. So Brashen breaks in and has and shares his news that there was a riot at the tariff docks tonight. Tanira and some of the others went down in force. They moved Ophelia out to the center of the harbor, and a whole fleet of small boats went out to unload her. The cargo has been scattered all over Bingtown. 
Tanira gave it away rather than pay any tariffs on it, but that didn't stop the Chalcedians from trying to interfere. Sweet saw, have mercy. Was anyone hurt? Ronica demanded. Brashen's smile was not a friendly one. The Bingtown Harbor Master is quite upset about two sunken galleys. Unfortunately, they went down right near the tariff docks. No large ships are going to be able to get there to tie up for a long time. Saw only knows when they'll find a way to raise them. They burned going down, Amber added. She sounded both saddened and satisfied. She added casually, part of the tariff dock caught as well. When we left, some of the satrap's warehouses were still burning. Brashen's tone challenged Althea. You might concede there was a good reason to be concerned for your safety on such a night. You were down there? Althea looked from one to the other. All those fires. Too many to be, ac to be one accidental fire spreading. This was planned in advance, wasn't it? Why didn't I know? Ophelia and I have become very good friends, Amber replied evasively. Why wasn't I told? Maybe it wasn't a fit place for a trader's daughter to be, Brashen shrugged. More sourly, he added, perhaps Greg cares enough for you that he wouldn't want to risk you being arrested also. Greg was arrested? For a short time. They found the Chalcedian guards who were supposed to be holding him, but Bra Greg himself has disappeared. He permitted himself a small smile. I understand that he's fine, however. I'm sure you'll hear from him in a day or so. Surely he wouldn't leave his lady love in suspense. How do you know so much? How did you happen to be down there? Althea's anger was building. She had flushed a deep scarlet. Kefria could not understand why she was so upset about this. Did she wish she had been at a riot instead of driving Devad home? Yes, Kefria, she actually did. <laughs> yeah, I, and it's not about wishing that she was there rather than Devad. No, I think it's, it's wishing she'd been told and included yeah. in the plan. And I think that's especially when Brashen says, well, maybe it's because it's not a fit place for a trader's daughter. Yeah, that's, yeah, that's the a rub. barb. Yeah. That is, and I don't even know if he means it to be a barb, but that is why it'll never work with Greg for uh, Althea because Greg sees her as a proper trader's daughter and not an equal partner. Yeah. Because if he saw her as an equal partner, he would have told her this was happening and he didn't. And that's a pretty big break of trust. And I get Althea's anger here. She thought at the very least that Greg had respect for her and saw her differently than other men did. And he doesn't. He sees her the same way as they do because he's treating her the same way they would. She didn't need to get involved. And I feel really bad for her in this because she didn't even necessarily need to go down there, but she doesn't even know that it's going to happen. She wasn't right. part of the preparation. She couldn't have helped set up the bundles to burn the stuff later. You know, it just like not letting her be part of any, any little part at all is so awful. I feel like, and that's, I think fully swung me away from Greg being a good match from Althea. Mm. Interesting. But I also feel like in this moment, it's really funny that Kefri is like, I don't get it. It's like, really? <laughs> okay. Well, you don't know your sister, so that's why. <laughs> so Brashen explains that he saw a group of disgruntled, disgruntled traders heading down, joined them, learned what they were going to do, and other people joined them as well. And then on the way down, he learned what had happened to Devad Restart's carriage. I do have a quick question. When did Greg join this group? Because Greg drove yeah. Althea's family home. I don't know. I was kind of thinking that too. Because 
he says Tanira led the people, but is he meaning Tommy? Tommy. Okay. And just Greg. He is joined the Tanira. Yeah. Yeah. That's fair. So Brashen is saying, I learned about Devadra's starts carriage on the way down. If I'd been there, I would never have allowed you to drive that carriage off alone. What Tanira was thinking, I don't. I've told you before, I don't need you to look after me. Althea was suddenly savagely angry. I don't need anyone's help. Oh, that's obvious now. I'm only puzzled as to why you stood up at the traders' meeting and asked for the help you now refuse. I don't need help from you, Althea clarified fiercely. I do. Kefria found her sister's shock almost satisfying. She met Althea's glare with a calm look. You seem to have forgotten that I, not you, am the traitor for this family. I am not so proud as to turn away the only help we may be offered. What do you need to begin this? Where do we start? So Kefria is the first one to kind of join all in. Say, like, we might as well go for this plan. Yeah. Let's stop talking about you and Brashen, Althea. Let's just get away from that topic. Things are going on down there. Okay, fine. Let's back, back, back to what we were talking about. As much as I don't love her response, I think this is a really good show of the growth from Kefria that she has a backbone now and she's willing to yeah. overstep her sister when her sister is trying to call the shots. Definitely. I, I do think, though, that this is this immaturity we're seeing from Althea is not stemming from her thinking she needs to be in charge. This is like an impulsive reaction because of how upset she is because yeah, yeah. she hates not having a say and she hates being treated like a woman. She does not like being treated like a fragile creature, a doll that cannot know things and cannot help. Mm-hmm. And I think that that is super fair and valid. I don't love how she goes about expressing that, but she also has been pushed to her limit. It's the middle of the night. So I'm not really going to hold it against her. You know what I mean? Sure. She also has some maturing to do, but whatever. I, I feel bad for her. And I hate that Kefria's response is to twist the knife in, be like, you forgot. I'm actually the one that dad (laughs) gave the inheritance to. Yeah. She knows that Letty thinks she has such a big problem with everybody saying they want to help her. Like, I don't know. It just is hard because it's like Kefri is like, mm, what a great feeling to have this like hold this over Althea in this moment. And it's like, girl, your sister is hurting and you are digging the knife in deeper. That's not nice. <laughs> the Brashen outlines what they need to do next, saying, yeah, we, we need money to start. But then also nods to Ronica. And the captain's lady will have to push Devadra's start to make him present this offer favorably to the Ludlucks. Yes. He does specifically say, the little one is right, Yeah, referring to Malta. <laughs> I just thought that was interesting because we have been saying that everybody's seeing her more adult-like. And he's like, the little one. Any other live ship owners who, add, who would add their approval would help. Maybe Althea could get her sweetheart to put in his word on this. I know a few of the live ships and I'll speak to them directly. You might be surprised how much pressure a live ship can put on his family. And I highlighted that line because that is something that Althea learned on the way back to Bingtown. Mm-hmm. And Brashen just seems to know that. Yeah. So he, he's just showing his, how knowledgeable he is of Bingtown itself yeah. and the practices around live ships. I think that knowledge itself is kind of weird to me and because. The fact that he knows multiple live ships. Yeah, because they, the Taniras do not, or sorry. Trells. The Trells do not have a live ship, Yes, right? they do. Oh. Mm-hmm. 
Oh, we've talked about this and right. we had somebody reach out and say, that's that they right. Do. Yeah. Okay. So they never have a live, they have a live ship. He knows Paragon and he knew Vivacia, but like, but Vivacia wasn't Does he know awake. other ones? Yeah, exactly. So how old was he when he got kicked out? Like 14? Like 14. So it's interesting that he was taught enough as a son that was going yeah. to be mm-hmm. taking over a family live ship that he knows enough to know that much about live ships. Maybe and he's had a conversation with Ophelia as well. <laughs> maybe he has. I don't know. But it, I, it doesn't It doesn't surprise me he knows other live ships because I think... I even spend at a lot 14, of time in the docks, you know? Yeah, yeah. and... I don't know. He's a vagabond a little bit. So he's probably sneaking away to talk to his own live ship as well as others in the dockyards. I don't know. Yeah. So he, I had that. So you might be surprised at how much pressure a live ship can put on his family. And then he rubs his temples. Althea is right. Getting a crew will be a problem. I'll start on that immediately. Put word out in the taverns that I'm hiring a lively crew of daring men. Those that come will half expect to turn pirate. They may turn away at the name of Paragon, but I'll go. I'll sail sail with you. The boy blushed a bit when they all stared at him, but he didn't lower his eyes from Brashen's face. The plate of food looked as if it was clean. (laughs) Yeah. So Brashen tries to turn away Clef and says, you know, that's really brave of you, but no, you're a kid. You're You're too young. And he's like, I feshed with my dad. I feshed with my dad? Before the slave raiders came, <laughs> no my, no my way around a dick. I'd rather do that and shovel horseshit. Also stink. <laughs> You're cracking yourself I up with this. I can't. It just it drastically think of that video of like, well, it was one of yours. <laughs> <laughs> Disgusting. <laughs> well, Kefria asks, "You're free now. Wouldn't you rather go home to your family?" And he kind of clams up a little bit, and he shrugs. His voice was harder and less boyish as he said. Nothing but ashes and bones there. I'd rather go back to sea. It's my life, right? Freed, am I? He looked about defiantly as if expecting them to revoke that. You're free, Althea assured him. Then I'm gone with him. He tossed his head at Brash and who shook his head slowly. There is another idea, Malta broke in suddenly. Buy a crew. I've seen some tattooed-faced sailors about Bingtown. Why couldn't we just buy some sailors? Because slavery is wrong, Amber pointed out dryly. On the other hand, I know some slaves who might be willing to risk punishment by running away and joining the crew. They were stolen from homes and families in the Pirate Isles. They might be willing to take part in a chancy venture if they were promised the opportunity to go home. Some might even know something of the waters. Could we trust slave sailors? Kefria asked hesitantly. On the ship, they wouldn't be slaves, Brashen pointed out. If it's a choice between an able-bodied runaway and a broken-down drunk, I'll hire the runaway. A little gratitude from a man given a second chance at life can go a long way. He looked suddenly thoughtful as he said this. And then Althea... Oh, Althea chimes in. Who put you in charge of hiring, Althea protested. If we're going to do this, I'll want the final say on my crew. (laughs) It's... Yeah. She just. Althea! Stop it! (laughs) She can't leave well enough alone and she can't let other people have the final say. She's in charge. She needs to be in charge. She needs everybody to know she's in charge and she's making the decisions. Yep. It's a little annoying. And Kefria says, you know, why do you even think you're going? Like, you can't be thinking of sailing them with them, right? 
Yeah, it's it's a crazy dangerous thing and it's there's no telling what danger they will encounter. You should not go. And Althea gives a very valid point of like, that's why I should go. We can't beg for help from people and talk about how important this is to us and then say, well, None it's not important. Yeah, yeah, it's not important enough for us to risk our lives over it, but you guys should risk your lives. So of course she has to go. And I think that's a, a very and valid point. Also, they're rescuing Vivacia. So Yeah. She needs she to be will there. Need to be there. Yeah, which Brashen brings up. He supports yeah. Althea in this and says, actually, I do think she should go because once we get Vivacia, Vivacia will definitely need Althea. Mm-hmm. And he agrees with Althea's point, saying, like, if only I go, you entrusted a live ship to a ne'er do well, disinherited traitor's son. And, and a foreigner. And a foreigner, and aren't putting your own family on board. Yeah. That doesn't show confidence. No. And people aren't going to, we're not going to get the ship that way, but Althea is a Vestra and you guys have a good name. So it'll come back. And then he adds, but I do not think she should sail as captain mate or even crew. This is going to be a tough crew. One that will be kept in line by fists and brawn initially. Anyway, the type of men we'll end up with aren't going to respect anyone who can't pound them to the deck if he has to. You don't qualify. And if you're working alongside them, they aren't going to give you respect. They'll test your abilities at every turn. Sooner or later, you would get hurt. Althea's eyes narrowed. I don't need you to look after me, Brash and Trell, remember? I've proved my abilities, and they're not just based on body strength. My father always said it was a poor captain who had to keep his crew in line by blows. Maybe because he felt that was the first mate's job, Brashen retorted, which I thought was funny because he was the first mate. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> he modified his tone as he added, your father was a fine captain with a wonderful ship, Althea. He could have paid low wages and still had good men willing to work for him. We won't have his options, I'm afraid. He yawns and says, oh, I'm sorry, I'm tired. I need to get some sleep. I think at least we know what our difficulties are going to be. Amber chimes in, says, there's one other problem we haven't addressed at all tonight. We can't assume that Paragon will enter into this willingly. And there's the crux of the matter. Yeah. And that's an important thing here. Basically, she's saying he's very uh, back and forth between frightened boy and angry man. We don't know what he's going to be or even if he wants to sail or if he'll willingly sail. And that's going to be very important. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. Especially because even if he agrees this week, we don't know if a week or two weeks from now he's going to change his mind. And if he isn't willing in this, we cannot do it. But again, they brought it back to the beginning. If we can't get the sale, that doesn't matter. Like if we can't get the the sale done where we could own him potentially, Mm -hmm. that doesn't even matter. So let's start there. And Ronica's... Instantly saying, oh, I think I can prevail there. I'll start tomorrow. So by tomorrow night, we should know. <laughs> and Kef- Kefria almost feels bad for Devon. Yeah, the way Ronica says it, she's got a steely voice. She's being harsh. She is ready to get some payback on Devon. Brashen sighs heavily. We are in agreement then. I will return tomorrow afternoon. Good night, Ronica and Kefria. Good night, Althea. There was a very subtle change to his tone as he bid his her sister good night. Good night, Brashen. Althea returned his farewell in a similar tone. Amber too bid them farewell, and as Althea prepared to walk them to the door, the slave boy also stood. 
Kefria knew a moment of exasperation with her sister's impulsive behavior. Don't forget, you have to find a place for the boy to sleep. The boy shook his head. You want to go for it? <laughs> no, no, not here. I'm going off with him. He tossed his head at Brashen. No, Brashen made the final, the single word final. Breed, am I? Can't stop me. <laughs> Don't bet on that, Brashen told him ominously. In a kinder voice, he added, Boy, I can't take care of you. I've got no home to go to. I'm on my own. Me too, the boy insisted calmly. <laughs> I think you should let him go with you, Brashen, Amber suggested. She had a strange, speculative look on her face. With a wry twist to her mouth, she added, It might not be the best of luck to turn away your first willing crewmate. That's right, the boy asserted cockily. El can't respect a man who won't dare. Dare tech me. You don't regret it. <laughs> Brashen squinted his eyes shut tightly and shook his head. But as he left the room, the boy followed him, and he made no motion to discourage him. Amber followed with a small smile on her face. I love Clef so much. He's so <laughs> funny. Like, you have to dare. You know, the L, my God, L. He... He doesn't like you if you can't take a dare, and I dare you. Let's go. <laughs> <laughs> Well-written 11-year-old boy. Yes. But Malta is asking, do you think they can bring Papa home when Amber, Brashen, and Clef have left? It's just the family here. And I think Althea is gone as well, walking to the, to the door. Mm. And Kefria is hesitating on an answer because she's trying to find a soft way to say this to a child mm -hmm. to keep the hope alive. It seems, but her mom has no such qualms. And Ronica just flat out says, our finances are foundering. My dear, there's no point to refu refusing this risk. If it succeeds, it may save the family fortunes. If they fail, we will sneak a uh, sink a bit faster. That is all. Kefria thought it a cruel thing to say to a child, but to her surprise, Malta nodded slowly. I was thinking the same thing myself, she observed. It was the first time in the last year that she had spoken in a completely civil tone to her grandmother. Oh, yes. Puberty's wild, isn't it? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, you know, I don't think Malta's opinion of her grandmother has changed at all. I think she just recognized that they're on the same page for this. And so it won't be an obstacle. Agree. But yeah, eventful chapter. Very eventful chapter. Definitely. Aftermath is right. It's yeah, it's a pretty good one, I think, overall. It's got some some good sections in there, some funny ones, some, some serious levity. ones. Yeah. I don't know. <laughs> it, it's hard because there's a role reversal almost with Althea being the annoying one and Malta being mature and the one we're rooting for, but yeah, I don't it's know. so it's so funny to me looking this looking at this in an objective note, thinking, oh yeah, there was some levity, some great jokes, but looking at it, it's not that funny. It's no. just that Althea smells bad and the boy won't take her hand, and we're laughing like it's hysterical. It is. You know what? For this book, it is. And you, <laughs> when is a poop That's my joke? Point. Not yeah. It's, when is a poop joke not funny? <laughs> yeah, that is my point. <laughs> but for this book, it is the height of comedy. Yes. <laughs> well thank you so much for tuning in this week if you have thoughts about i don't know the accent of the six duchies if you want to if you are from scotland or ireland or have that ancestry and you want to berate me just know i know i know it's not good it's okay <laughs> <laughs> 
thank you so much for tuning in. Please let us know your thoughts about this chapter or the future of these books or past books if you're there. And you can email us at isfitshappy at gmail.com or go to our website, isfitshappy.com. And you can find all of our links to our socials on there. Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, threads, YouTube. On all of those at isfitshappy. Yeah. Can I wait to see you next week? (laughs) Jeez. Should I not? Should I read? Okay, now's our favorite part where we get to talk about what you guys brought in. Um, sorry for the poor accents again, <laughs> two weeks in a row. <laughs> They're fun, so you'll probably hear them again. <laughs> I'm not sorry enough to stop, I guess. <laughs> um, but anyway, we'll focus on some other comments we got this week. One was an email we got from Ellen to let us know how they listen to the podcast. Yeah. Yeah. Ellen commented that it comes in around Friday afternoon for them and they try to not be too frustrated uh, during work because they can't listen to it, but then kind of catch up over the weekend. So thank you very much for letting us know there. And thank you for the cat pictures as well. Yes. We love to see Sam. Yes. So cute. Although Pearl Cop is a good name change because Ellen sent in two pictures, one from four years ago where Sam's coloring is quite a bit lighter and then has gotten darker over the years. So, yeah, hopefully hopefully you are the, um, the, catalyst. the catalyst and you have been on the right path. <laughs> right. I mean, have, you have to be if your cat's getting darker. So True, true. <laughs> so thank you, Ellen, for writing in. We also got an email from Jonas about Kefria and Althea's relationship from Kefria's point of view. Yeah, we had the discussion in part one about how how Kefria views Althea. And I was kind of talking from Kefria's point of view, and I went on a long rambly thing about it because I hadn't really thought about it before. And uh, Jonas kind of sums up some good points here as well. Right. And I think especially because I had a lot of questions about why Kefria would have such a negative view of her sister. Like what is it that's driving that? Because we don't really get a lot of their early relationships. So it's really hard for me personally to understand where the bad blood comes in, especially because Kefria is spoiled as well and isn't held to normal standards just as much as Althea isn't in my opinion but that isn't necessarily true right Jonas is mainly talking about how there is since there is such a huge gap between them Kefria was kind of already established as who she was she was the a traitor's daughter right she was kind of on the picturesque path as a trader's daughter. And then Althea comes along and gets pretty much whatever she wants because she's the favorite of her dad's. And all of a sudden, then years pass and she's 19 and like, oh, yep, this is my ship. When Kefria did everything right in according to society and also has a husband who is the captain of the the ship currently and is like, what do you mean? (laughs) 
<laughs> yeah. And also she has kids and right. like yeah. an actual family. And Althea is a teenager being like, this is mine. This is my I deserve birthright. it. Yeah. <laughs> as the younger daughter. Which, yeah. Which I guess that's a really good point. Like as much as we get Althea's point of view as to why she feels like it's her birthright. And we know that kind of everybody was shocked. She didn't end up getting the ship from Kefria's point of view. It is kind of a wild notion because I'm sure Kefria hadn't ever thought about it, especially if her husband is the active captain. Why wouldn't it go to them as full grown adults with the family? Because I think Kefria probably, like their mother, assumes that Althea is going to grow out of this traveling thing. Like, she doesn't get to be on a boat forever. Right. That's not realistic. So maybe there's also that coming into play. True. So that's a really good point out from Jonas. Jonas also asks at the end, or at least states, that the thing that surprises him the most about Kefria is that Kefria wants the respect of Althea. And... That's just very surprising in general. Yeah. He says, come on, Kefria, you're like 30 plus years old. You got kids. Why care about the opinion about that young brat that's always chasing the wind? <laughs> and I think it's just a family thing. You know, yeah. you, you always want to have that familial love and that some sort of connection, right? Because Althea keeps trying to reach out to Malta and wants some sort of connection there. I think it's just the position that they're in right now and the vested values in general. They need to come together as a family, and so why not try? Yeah. I guess also speaking as someone who has siblings that there's a really big age gap, so one of my brothers is 12 years younger than me, it is you do want them to like you at least. And so, like, I guess my brother's still pretty young, but if he was, like, 19 and hated me, (laughs) I think I would be pretty upset too and like kind of want that respect back right and i don't know so i like i kind of get that point of view um but i definitely think it is a little silly to be 30 with children and being worried about what a teenager thinks about you and thinking that you need their respect to be a real adult or be taken seriously when it's not necessarily that i don't know and i think Part of that that kind of makes me feel bad for Kefria is I don't think that Althea thinks that she is disrespectful to Kefria or doesn't think of Kefria as an authority figure, if that makes sense. I just think that Althea treats everyone the same. Yeah. And it doesn't matter that Kefria has opinions if they're different to Althea because that's just who Althea is. So... I think it really does come down to they're just two very different people. Yeah. So thank you for that point of view, Jonas. It was very enlightening and a good thing to point out for us. So thank you to everyone who wrote in. We love hearing from you guys every week and we love getting to hear your guys' opinion and have thoughts that are different from our own. So thanks, guys. See you next week.